0: Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us of the incredible price that God paid to cover our sins.
1: God says that there's one way, and that's Jesus Christ. That's offensive to many people, mostly to the religious people. And they say, how could God, and they have the wrong perspective, how could man insult God after making the way, saying, there's other ways? God is so serious about the one way that he signed it in blood.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Pure, holy, righteous, blameless. How can we approach such a God? Today, as Pastor Xavier continues his study in the Old Testament, he reminds us that even though God is perfect, there is a way we can enter His throne room. Here's our teacher pointing the way to today's Simple Truth.
1: Leviticus chapter 16, the Day of Atonement, the book of Leviticus has many key words, as we have seen, which reveal two basic principles, the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. If there's anything we're going to get out of the book of Leviticus, it's God's holiness and man's sinfulness. And things haven't changed, have they? They're still the same. Those two principles are consistent throughout the Scriptures. The word clean and unclean with its cognates 186 times. The word atonement 52 times. The word sacrifice and offering 91 times. The word blood 93 times. Now all of these have their climax in the day of atonement, chapter 16. Chapter 16 stands completely apart from every other section of the book of Leviticus. Yet it stands as the heart of the book of Leviticus. Because in that day is when the nation of Israel would be cleanse of their sins once a year. Now, it would be amazing if that could happen to our nation today. It would be amazing if our nation lived under God and we obeyed God and we acknowledged God so that we could have a national repentance. But as we look to our nation, we see that every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes because there is no king or authority upon the throne. Authority has gone out the window because consequences have been done away with. One of the surest things to keep authority in your home or in your life is that there are constantly consequences to you or to others. And as long as those consequences are there, there will be authority. But you remove consequences and you've destroyed authority altogether. God rule as the one, complete, absolute authority. And the evidence of that was there was consequences throughout the life of Israel. Here on this day was no different. The consequences were positive because the nation acknowledged God and they turned to God and they repented of their sins and God was gracious to forgive them and to continue fellowship with them, to lead them, to guide them, to strengthen them, to provide for them, to protect them. Our nation began like that, but we've gotten so far away from God. So far that now we are even implementing laws to deny the instruction of God in the school systems. I wonder how far and how long it will take before it begins in the church. But my hope is in Christ Jesus, not in the situation. And so I'm always hopeful. Even when things are bad, I know that Christ is on the throne and that He's able to do things that I don't even have any idea about. And that he can come through in ways that I haven't even figured out because he's faithful and he's in control. Remember chapter 1 through 17 focus on to know how to worship God. Chapter 18 to 27 will focus on to know how to walk with God. And so here is the climax of worship. One day a year as Israel came before God to receive the forgiveness of their sins as a nation. Remember, in the first seven chapters, Israel has been taught about the need of sacrifice. In chapter 8 through 9, you have been taught the need of a mediator. And then in chapter 11 through 15, they've been taught the need of sanctification, a sanctified life unto the Lord. Now here in chapter 16, they were going to be taught about the need of national repentance from sin. Such a needful thing, such a cleansing thing, such a healthy thing. We want to look at some of the characteristics of the Day of Atonement here in order to be one with God, not only as individuals, but the context is as a nation. The first thing we want to see about the Day of the Atonement is that it's a day of special privilege. Notice the high priest entered within the veil and God met with him above the mercy seat. The chapter opens up. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and your brother not to come at simply any time into the holy place inside the veil, before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die, for I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Here was a day of privilege. The high priest would go in only that one time. He could not come in any way. The stern warning is the example of the death of Aaron's sons. You just can't come in before God any old way. People today want to just come in to God. And say, well, you know what? It doesn't matter. I mean, what you believe. Any old way you can come to God. Every way leads to God. No. That's like saying every freeway leads to LAX. You'd have a better chance than that because there's some connection, but there's no connection. God says that there's one way, and that's Jesus Christ. That's offensive to many people, mostly to the religious people, to the good moral pagan. Very hard. Because it means that in their rationale, they look to many people who are moral, who are good, who are philanthropists, and they say, how could God, and they have the wrong perspective, how could man insult God after making the way, saying, there's other ways. God is so serious about the one way that he signed it in blood. And when he got done killing his son, and make no mistake, God killed his son for you, for me. And when he got done, he said, it is finished. Jesus told his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. In that one sweeping statement, Jesus Christ destroyed every religion, every philosophy, every other form for man to come to God. You have to believe what Jesus said or you have to acknowledge that he is the biggest liar that's ever existed. You have no other option. And so the warning to the priests: he could not come any way, neither could he come at any time. Another fallacy of man today. Man thinks that he can come to God when he's ready. Man, Man can come to God at any time, When he needs. Not when he's all right, but when he's in desperate need. As if God is some genie to get us out of trouble. As if God is dumber than man. And he doesn't know our motive. He doesn't know our different form of life from that which when we are in need. And man deceives himself, thinking he can come any way and at any time. Not so. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. For the Bible in principle teaches that the day is promised to no man. Tomorrow is promised to no man. All you have is the time you have right now breathing and you don't know if you're going to live before you leave here any longer. No one can be sure of that. Only God knows. Notice that He came in once a year. He says that in verse 34, there shall be an everlasting statute for you to make an atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins, once a year. He also says it in verse 29, the latter portion. And so, he's speaking about a day of special privilege. This man would go in once a year and be face to face with God. No one else would ever know. Nobody else would have the privilege. No one else would ever even imagine what was beyond that veil. He and he alone. No one else. But also the nation would be forgiven for all their sins. Special privilege. Chapter 16, verse 30. He says, For on that day the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be cleansed from all your sins before the Lord. Not some sins, all your sins. One of the difficult things that we have as the people of God is at times to really believe God for forgiving us for all our sins. We're a people who have a difficult time in forgetting. We don't have that attribute of God that He can forget whatever He wants and He never recalls it. It'd be a nice attribute to have. There are things in my mind that I wish I could forget. There are things in my heart that I wish would not be there. And yet, he says that all of my sins have been forgiven. And at times when we don't understand that or we don't acknowledge that, we do despite to the Spirit of grace. When we throw those sins before other people's lives, we do injustice not only to the work of God, but to the very work that provides our own forgiveness. And we are actually burning the very bridge we have to cross ourselves. It's a weak human trait. And thinking that my sin is not as bad as yours. For I can understand why God forgives me, but you, I don't know. I did it. Well, I couldn't help myself. You did what? How could you? I tell you, that is forever before our face to acknowledge our own sinfulness and our own unworthiness to be forgiven. None of us can get away from that. It's ever-present, and we have to make sure that we're ever there to crucify it every time it comes up. Israel was a theocracy. It was ruled by God. For that reason, He gave that day. He does not give that day to any other nation today. And yet we know that God is there to turn a nation, as He did Nineveh. Israel was to live by God's standards. And when those standards were not met, there were consequences as we implied in the beginning of this, of this sermon. Israel called this day, the day. The day. They look for it once a year. What a tremendous privilege. Notice also that it was a day of humiliation. The priest was to humble himself. Verse 4 of chapter 16 says, He shall put on holy linen tunic, the linen trousers in his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash, and with the linen turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments, therefore he shall wash his body in water and put them on. Notice that He would put aside the glorious and the beautiful garments that were mentioned and prepared for him in Exodus 28, verse 40, 42. He didn't wear all the jewels, all the beautiful vesture, but he wore the natural common robe of linen. He was one like any other man, though he was privileged enough to be the only man to enter in. He was common, something that you and I have to remember. Regardless of what God does in your life, how He uses you, you are common like any other man in need of forgiveness of sin. The white linen spoke of purity as well as humility, always reminding him of his own need. That though he was representing the people, he was not above or beyond the people. Something that is so easy to lose sight of once God begins to use us in a way that is beyond other people. It's so easy to lose sight when you're in front all the time and people are hearing you and then they're telling you, boy, you really blessed me. Boy, the Lord spoke to me. Boy, you did this, you did that. Before you know it, and you start believing your own press. And when it's only God who's working in you and through you as a vessel, that you might give Him glory and honor. And that's all He desires. And so the priest was to humble himself. But also the people were to humble themselves. But notice also before we go on that the priest washed himself. Ceremonial cleanliness, we covered that. Even in the very ceremony, he was reminding himself that though he was sanctified by God and consecrated as the priest, he still needed to wash because he was coming before a holy God. God is unapproachable, the Old Testament as well as the New Testament says. He dwells in the light that no man can approach. No man can see God and live, the Bible says. Every time we see God appearing to man in the Old Testament and New Testament, they veil their face, they put their face to the ground, or God manifested Himself in some physical manifestation to give evidence that He was present, but that presence veiled man and God in between so He would not be destroyed. The pillar of fire, the cloud, the Shekinah glory. Because man is sinful and God is so holy that he cannot approach him. And so the humbling of the priest, but also the people, as we said, and you find it in verse 29, the latter portion. He says, you shall afflict yourself, your souls, and do not work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who journeys among you. And so they were to fast and to pray And to put on sackcloth and to mourn, for it was the holy month. Nehemiah, when he returned from the captivity, in Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 1, down to chapter 9 verse 1, you see them beginning the first day of October, the holy month. The Feast of Trumpets, beginning to humble, afflict themselves, and to put themselves before the Lord all the way through the Feast of Tabernacles, even to the 24th day of the month there in Nehemiah. It was a time of of recognition of who you were and your privilege before God. It was acknowledging your unworthiness before God, something that is lacking today, even in the church. We walk around and strut our stuff as if we are something big of ourselves or something quality of ourselves, and yet it is only the mercy of God. And as I look and I see people in the church, I see a lack of reverence for what God has done and for who He is. I see a real kickback attitude, and I'm not talking about your dress. Talking about your heart, I'm talking about your life. And that is lacking today, very much so. When's the last time you fasted? When's the last time you cried over your own sin on the floor? Instead, we criticize other people's sins and we look down on other people's sins and we think that we're above those people's sins. And yet, this is a characteristic that's to be among the people of God. They were to do no work. It was a time of reflection, meditation on God, on their own shortcomings. Something that's to be going on every day in the believer's life for we judge ourselves lest we be judged, Paul says. We have been given an advocate for the defense that we might come before Him. We can come before the throne of grace to find grace and help in time of need because we have a merciful high priest that is compassionate with all of our infirmities, though he is without sin, and so the humiliation was both the priest as well as the people. And yet there was a distinction between the priest and the people. Thirdly, it was a day of special sacrifice. The congregation would provide two kids of the goat, one for a sin offering, the other one for a burn offering, in verse 5. And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering, one ram as a burnt offering. And so the priest would offer two for the congregation and then also a burnt offering. Then he would offer, as we go on, two for himself, one for sin, one for burn, And then there would be the two of the goats that will be offered later on, a total of about seven offerings, and he alone would be doing all the sacrificing, all this washing, all the service, as we will see as we go on. He alone, there was sacrifice that were made here. The sin offering for their failure. And then the burnt offering for dedication and consecration to the Lord, as we saw. Notice also the high priest would cast Lot on the two goats. In verse 8 and 9, Aaron shall bring the goats on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as the sin offering. In verse 8, he says, then Aaron shall cast lots before the two goats on the lot of the Lord and the other, Lot, for the scapegoat. So one would be offered as sin. The other one would be what's called the scapegoat. We'll get into that as we move on. So these two were both called to be goats for atonement. Not just one, but both implied and made application for atonement. That's important. So the congregation, the high priest, and Notice that the high priest was the only one to officiate, as we said. In verse 17, the first portion, there shall be no man in the tabernacle of meeting when he goes in to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out. He alone, all the other priests would kick back that day. He alone would sacrifice. He alone would fillet. He alone would enter in. He alone would wash. He alone would carry out. He alone would do it. He would be the mediator, the one representing man before God, the nation. And yet in that loneliness, there was such a charge, for He was representing the entire nation. Everything was upon His shoulders. What a beautiful picture of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as He alone went to the cross. He alone bore our sins. He alone is the one that paid the atonement. No one else could do it. None of the twelve disciples could do it. All forsook Him. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. He was dumb before His shearers. The iniquities of us all were laid upon Him. And when He finished the work, He said from the cross, It is finished. He alone fulfilled it. Notice also, That is a day of imputation of sin. We've implied it. The high priest offered a sin offering for himself and his house. Verse 6 tells us that. Aaron shall offer a bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. You see, he was not only representing the nation, but he was representing his house of Levi, the priest. And so every aspect of God's division of the nation was being atoned for. The high priest, the normal priest, and the nation. Every one of them. The high priest offered a sin for the people also. In verse 15, the first two portions, he says, Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people. And they would bring it in. And so not only for himself first, because see, he was a sinner like anybody else, and if he did not sanctify and atone for his sin, then he could not be the representative of the people, let alone the nation. And so first he had to make atonement for himself, how important it is that we understand that before we preach to others, we make sure that our life is right. That before we proclaim forgiveness to others, that we make sure that we're walking in that light of forgiveness over and over again. Now we can not only impart the words of Christ, but we can impart the life of Christ because we're living in those words. It's so important. And so the priest was the the example to go ahead and he would offer the sin out for himself, for the people. And God would accept it because it was the sacrifice that was making the payment, not the priest himself. Notice in verse 21 that the high priest laid his hands on the second goat. Which the congregation presented to Aaron. And he would transfer those sins to the animal. We've gone over this right over and over and over again. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel, and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat. And so the priest would lay his hands on the head, symbolically transferring the sins. From the individual to the goat the animal being spotless having no blemish he himself would incur the sins of the people the nation and then that living goat who, who did nothing to deserve death would die in place of the priests of the people of the nation And God would honor that. There is a substitution. There is a transfer, a beautiful picture of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we became His righteousness because He first became sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 And our sins were transferred to Him. He who knew no sin became sin for us, was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. What a tremendous transaction.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese with a reminder about the incredible grace of God and his love for sinners. And you can request a copy of today's message from our study in the book of Leviticus called The Day of Atonement. It's available as always on CD for just $4. And why not share this encouraging study with your friends and loved ones? 91107. And it's helpful when you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Well, what are the benefits of walking in love? Find out the answer when you join Pastor Xavier Reese. That's right here on the next edition of Simple Truths.